Blog Talk Radio. Good man, a lot of time. Which direction we are going? That wrecked the El Camino. It would have been DWI. have reached a tipping point. Good evening, good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea, it is time once again for the tipping point. I'm Stephen Platinum, and I'm joined, as always, by the venerable Still working a wrestling podcast, unlike others, Vince Russo. Larry Goodman. Larry, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Doing good. Busy, busy bee over here. Um, last weekend, Larry, uh, I'm just going to jump right into it. Uh, oh, yeah. you wanted to say who our guests are tonight. Sorry about that. I would. Uh, our um, number one guest will be... Uh, <laughs> the golden boy of grab ass, Effie Gibbs, uh, out of Florida. Interesting uh, person, interesting entertainer, and uh, I'm looking forward to this interview very much. And then hopefully <laughs> later in the hour, we may have a representative from Georgia Premier Wrestling to talk about their the new venue they're opening up this Saturday. A new venue. That mm-hmm. is exciting stuff, for sure. Speaking of exciting stuff, Ronnie freaking Gossett, Larry. What the hell is going on? <laughs> What's the latest on Ronnie Gossett? So um, the latest is that after the show in Griffin, uh, uh, well, see, that's what, week four Saturday. In any case, uh, yeah. his main star was Jack Swagger, and Jack Swagger posted that Ronnie Gossett was a con man and a coward and that the boys shouldn't work for him and the fans shouldn't patronize his shows. Wow. So, well, in, in, I, in related news, by the way, Larry, in related news, water is wet. So, <laughs> well, so I uh, got a hold of uh, Mr. Gossett, who subsequently got uh-huh. a hold of Mr. Swagger. I don't know what transpired between them, but a post appeared from Mr. Swagger saying he had settled his differences with Mr. Gossett and and deleted the previous post. <laughs> um, Amazing what happens when a check clears. <laughs> well, <laughs> now I'm, I'm hoping maybe we can get Mr. Gossett on the show in two weeks to talk about uh, UCW because they're, you know, they're going into Marietta on Memorial Day weekend and I think that's going to be a, uh, a monumental task to draw at that building, which I've already which I said to him when I was at the Griffin show. That's a that's a tough tough deal there. Um, and he had Swagger on the poster for that show as well. So I would assume that now that they've settled their differences, that Swagger will once again be headlining in Marietta. But it must be said in terms of our discussion of the over and under, 
uh, for the Gossett Show. All yeah. of the major stars were in attendance for the show, without exception. Uh-huh. And he did draw well over 300. He had, honestly, an honest count of 600, I would say, in that building. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Shit, you know, I would love to talk to, of course I'd love to talk to Ronnie Gossett, but I would love to talk to Jack Swagger. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm sure he would be interested in promoting that show, and, you know, he can kind of clear up what all that hubbub was about and clear the good name of Mr. Ronnie Gossett. So, well, you'll have to stay tuned to see what transpires with all of that. Very interesting stuff, though, Larry. Um, where were you yeah. this last weekend? This last weekend, I was in Rome, Georgia. You know, we had the the lightest wrestling weekend that I can recall in quite a long while in Georgia. There were literally, mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure there were there were shows running, but nothing, none of the promotions of consequence in the North Georgia area were running. Not a one of them. Wow. The only show that was 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 NCW on Friday night. There wasn't a Saturday night show anywhere. Um, oh my gosh, that's a so, that's a rare uh, bird. Yeah, so my wife and I went to Rome, Georgia, which um, I'd like to talk just a little bit about Rome, Georgia. I don't want to talk at length Please about it, but do. a few things a few things about Rome, Georgia. The one place to eat Harvest Moon Cafe. If you're going to Rome, Georgia, don't bother with anywhere else. Go to the Harvest Moon Cafe. The the the, the Sunday brunch buffet, twelve dollars and fifty cents or whatever it is, is ridiculous. And it's it's really it's really good stuff. They, they, <laughs> what was so, what was it the what was it the brunch? Now you've got me intrigued, Larry. You've hooked me. You got to well, reel me in. What what do they got? Well, so here's the thing. They actually they had yeah. all your your typical breakfast favorites, but I mean everything was really well prepared. Then they had your southern. If you wanted, they had your southern style like fried chicken and uh, lima beans and okra and all that stuff. But it was every single thing was delicious. And then they even had some oh. healthy stuff. They had some healthy salads. I mean, they had it all for $12.50. So if you're ever in Rome on a Sunday, go. And if you're ever there any other time, don't bother eating anywhere else. Go to the Harvest Moon Cafe. But the other thing about Rome, <laughs> two other things. One is the Myrtle Hill Cemetery. Check it out if you're in Rome. That's quite an interesting place. Um, been around since 1850, built on one of the seven hills of Rome, which is why Rome is named Rome. Um, and a uh, very cool view and a very cool cool place. But the other thing was, are you familiar with the, the Capital Line Wolf? Mm. You, you ever heard of, you, you, have you heard of the Capital Line Wolf, Steve? I have not. No, tell me about it. Well, so the Capital Line Wolf was, is, it was in Rome, and uh, Rome, Italy, the original Capital Line Wolf, and okay. in the nineteen in the nineteen twenties, the Selenese Corporation, what's now Selenese, came to Rome, Georgia. And to honor this move of Selenese to Rome, Georgia, Mussolini sent a replica of the Capitoline Capitoline Wolf to the city of Rome, where it was placed in front of the what the city auditorium. Well, this has to do with the um the mythical origins of the city of Rome. And what it is, is it's a it's a she wolf with the twins Romulus and Remus suckling on this um, she-wolf with their uh, oh, wow. with their genitalia like right out there, 
<laughs> and and, and, and these, well, two you... little in, these two little infants suckling on this she-wolf. Um, so it's like it's pretty out there. Um, and it was wow, pretty out you there had me the... you had me at you had me at suckling. I have to say, yes, <laughs> they are actually suckling on this she-wolf right there in Rome in front of the city auditorium with their with their you know junk right there for everybody to see. And so, so would, this did <laughs> great. So this did offend the uh, some of the people of Rome to the extent that in, when when they had uh, city events, they would diaper the kids and throw a sheet <laughs> over the wolf. <laughs> and, and then, of course, when World War II broke out, they had to take it down altogether. And then, but the, but it yeah. did return. By the early 50s, it was back there in all its glory. I just, to me, that being in Rome, Georgia, just really, I just couldn't quite get, I mean, I guess, what do you do? I mean, Mussolini gave it to them, and they had this big Italian company come into town to give them a whole bunch of business. So I guess they said, well, we got to, you know, we got to put this thing up. Wow. Wow, wow. I Speaking of landmarks, so they... um I was told today that there's a – I wrote it down, but I don't have it near me. Um, it's a – it's kind of a series of villas um, in Orlando, Florida um, that was like a very exclusive thing. They used to have their own airstrip for it and everything. And so celebrities would go there to sort of get away from it all. So like Marilyn Monroe and Cary Grant and – all these big muckety mucks <clears throat> would go to this place and apparently it's still open. And, and it was famous for having like the best restaurant in the South, like this very elegant restaurant. But the reason I bring it up here is that apparently two of the people who frequented there were Eddie Graham and Dusty God. Rhodes. And so I'm going to um I'm going to do a little investigation and if all goes well I'm going to check it out this weekend. I'm going to go and then I'm going to try to talk to somebody um about asking them a few questions about Eddie Graham and Dusty Rhodes. So um Matt, I have some uh, new technology so I might even be able to record that interview. So oh, uh, I'm definitely interested and if I can, you know, apparently they have a they don't have like a wall with the celebrities on it, but they they have like a bar and a lounge area where apparently they have some some memorabilia from the various celebrities that have stayed there. So I'm going to see what I could find from Eddie Graham and or Dusty Rhodes. So nice. We shall see. We shall see. So, um, oh, uh, one other uh, circling back to something. Um, Action wrestling, yeah. of course, did have a very successful debut show in Tyrone and um, we will be having Matt Griffin back on to do a post-mortem and talk about his next show which I believe is at the end of June so okay. before what, that rolls around they, we'll have him back what did they what did they draw I'm glad their show went well what did they end up drawing 150 to 175 oh sure not for a debut show that is not bad at all. Yeah, Matt was very happy, and it's a nice Good. size crowd for the type for the size of venue they have. So, um, um, real fun show. People who went, I I think they'll they'll be back. They had a good time, and the running time of this show was two hours, two hours, oh. and I don't think anybody felt shortchanged. <sighs> big fan, big fan of that. 
a yeah. huge fan of that, actually. And before we bring our guest on, Larry, I got yeah. a, a, a quick commentary. So uh, WrestleMania happened, and I thought it was a pretty stellar affair, uh, really one of the stronger ones they've had in recent years. But, man, Backlash, which has given some of the better pay-per-views going uh, in the last few years, Boy, I I thought it was as dull as dishwater. I I don't I didn't pay attention to most of it. <laughs> Being honest, it just doesn't didn't hold my attention. I don't know. I don't I don't know what the general scuttlebutt about it was. I don't imagine it was very good. I mean, the Rollins match that opened was very good, um, but everything else I thought was kind of also ran. Um, it just didn't. There was nothing about it that was really noteworthy or notable. I would have thought at least Roman Reigns and Joe would have been great um but i wouldn't describe it as great so really yeah, yeah. Nope. i know I, I didn't watch it but I, that i would have had the same thought that they, they that they would have had a good match but nothing special mm-hmm. huh? no no nothing special so yeah a little bit of a disappointment now again you know this isn't me like i'll never watch wrestling again and the, that usual drama um and I mean, let's face it. I mean, everything seems like it's been like dying in the uh, in the darkened shadow of Infinity War. My God, I saw Infinity War in a packed theater. Uh, my wife and I saw it in a theater full of African Americans. So we're the only white people there. Oh, really? And let me tell you, the pop that happened when they were in Wakanda and uh, a big fight starts and you know, Black Panther yells out, Wakanda forever, and does the X. The Larry, I shit you not, the audience does the X, screams out Wakanda forever. It was <laughs> as electric. I mean, it was as electric as anything I've been witness to in pro wrestling in a live event. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> And, I mean, it it did make me think, like, I miss wrestling having that kind of feel. Um, I I have a question for you. I don't know if you you have time to answer it now or if you want to do it at the end. But I have sort of an interesting wrestling question for you that I've seen recently. Well, throw it out, and then I'll see if I want to answer it now or wait. Um, what's, what's a giant, what's a, what's a giant unforgettable pop that you've witnessed live at a wrestling show that really sticks in your memory, especially from when you were younger? Oh, well, I've mentioned this one before and it still sticks out, but, uh, one of the biggest ones as a kid, well, I wasn't, I wasn't a kid. I was in, um, high school by that point, I think was, um, Mm -hmm. Bruiser and Crusher defeating, Ray Stevens and Nick Bockwinkle for the AWA World Championship at the Chicago Amphitheater in front of a sold-out house, which would have been, what, 12,000, 13,000 people, I'm guessing. That was mm-hmm. a pop that blew the, the roof off. Um, <laughs> the other ones that, that have really come to mind are some of the ones in the Omni. Um, when, when you were on the floor seats in the Omni and it was a full house, there'd be points when it got so loud, your ears would be buzzing, buzzing. And I just love that. It only happened a few times because it had to be full for, for that to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But, and I, and actually I can't think of it, the particular match matches when that happened. I just remember the feeling when, when you, when that happened in there. Um, so yeah. Oh. Yeah. Those, those would be, those would be a couple. Yeah. I missed, the, I missed the Omni, you know, 
It wasn't that great of a building unless it was really full, and there weren't that many occasions when it was that full. But when it was, it was tremendous because that was 16,000 people or so when it when it filled up all mm. the way. Um, so uh, shall we bring on our guest? Absolutely. All right. I'm going to give him the Chip Day treatment. He's got multiple uh, nicknames here. He's the most oh marketable corporate-sponsored sports entertainer of all time, the weapon of SAS <laughs> destruction, the golden boy of grab bass, and he is the fest wrestling champion. He is Effie Gibbs. Welcome to the Tipping Point. Dude, thank you for having me on. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> After that intro. Hey, um, oh, yeah. this is... This is uh this is Stephen Platinum. I know we've never met, but uh I have a question. You, usually Larry will tend to throw out the questions that sort of cover the bases, like who trained you, who's your inspiration. I kinda I hate those questions, I'll just be honest. Oh yeah, so, well I can give you I, fun I, answers for them. <laughs> well, that's good. But I have a question. I I just want to cut to the quick. I usually like that first question just like really sort of throw you on the deep end and get you thinking and speaking. And uh, so here's my question. So according to Larry, I'm going to put Larry on blast. Larry says you used to suck. You were just terrible. But now you're good. What the fuck happened? Like, what? what? <laughs> well, one, do you agree with that assessment? And two, totally um, if, if so, what happened? Like, what happened to really help you turn the corner and become good? Congratulations, by the way, on wrestling Joey Ryan and all the things that are coming up, which we're definitely going to talk about. Big stuff on the horizon. Here's what happened, and this is – we can go right into the beginning of it. I trained with a guy named White Trash Fred out in a field in Live Oak, Florida. I trained there for eight <laughs> months. I was driving an hour and a half every Sunday there, an hour and a half back in the hot sun, and – you get to that point and you're going, I'm not learning everything I need to learn here. And you're sort of in a frustrating position because you feel like you want to just start getting booked, but you don't know if you're really yeah. all the way there. You say, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go get booked. So, you know, when I started, I was a character. And in a lot of ways, you know, getting better happens over time with ring work and meeting with new people and training with new people and doing new things. But um, you, you kind of have to find your footing in there and, without starting at, you know, a legitimate place with, with more of a background and someone who could lead me in and say, Hey, you know, this guy trained at our school, you should book him here. It was sort of uh, grasping at straws for a while. And I felt like my yeah. character work was strong, but in a lot of ways, the big turnaround for me was I stopped having everyone else's match. So, you know, you get to mm. a lot of guys and, and they'll be like, okay, well, my comeback is, you know, these nine moves and then this flip and then 41 moves. And then it goes into a knee <laughs> and, most guys in the back go, okay, and then they don't ask questions or they don't ask how they could change it or they don't ask how it affects their move, and they just go with it because nobody really wants to speak up. And when I started speaking up mm. and saying, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to have an Effie match. We're not going to have your match. It's a lot easier to just be yourself and be comfortable and not feel like you're trying to catch up with everyone else or try to match everyone else. You know, if you're the jiu-jitsu guy, I'm not going to be able to do, you know, five-star black belt jiu-jitsu. It's just not going to happen. So – You've got yeah. to have sort of the balls to step in there and go, no way, man, we're going to have my match. Here's how we're going to do it. And to sort of make them back down a little bit. So I think a combination of just constantly working at getting better and then also finding the confidence to just like be effing hmm. in the ring instead of trying to be anyone else, you start to get good. What, do, you, do you remember an early on incident where you kind of, where you finally stood up, where you're just like, no, I don't 
like I want to, you know, I'm, I don't agree with that or I want to talk about that. Do you remember one of the first times, if not the first time, where you felt like you really had the confidence and stepped up and stood up for yourself? Um, I can't, I can't remember a, like a particular instant. And I'm sorry this car yeah. is passing me right now, but it's one of those things where like you, I love pro wrestling. I love a lot of pro wrestling, and I'm sure you guys are the same way in saying that there is so much of pro wrestling that I despise and hate so sure. much. And when you're doing these shows every weekend and some are good and some are bad and sometimes your opponent is great, sometimes they're not, like there's this horrible bitterness that builds up in you in a way. And so mm-hmm. when, when I sort of stopped hiding that bitterness and sort of letting it out and talking, talking about what was making me mad about wrestling in an attempt to make it better, um, I got really comfortable in the locker room. And so when guys were calling matches with me, it sort of came down to, yeah, man, I'm not going to do that. That sounds terrible. That sucks. That doesn't make sense. And you remember back to your first few matches where, where the older guys are like, well, why would you do that there? It doesn't make sense. And not to be the old school guy, but, like, you've kind of got to say, no, man, we're not going to do, you know, 19 moves into an elbow. There's no reason for that. Hit me with the elbow and get it over with. Mm-hmm. Great. Larry, please. So um, enlighten us. What is an F – or enlighten the people who may not know, what's an Effie match? <laughs> An Effie match to me has sort of a, your, your Infinity War Thanos moment in the middle where something snaps. Obviously, when I come out, if people haven't seen me before, I'm really glittery and sparkly, and I've got a big flashy jacket, and I'm in fishnets, and I'm in a very effeminate character. But I want to start the match out and play with your perception a little bit. Maybe we open with a little bit fun. Maybe there's a comedy spot to open things up. Maybe we're slow and steady. Maybe we're messing around. But then I want that snap to happen where I almost become a whole other person. And you've forgotten sort of by the way I present myself or the way I act that I'm actually a grown-ass six-foot-one man who's 220 pounds. And I start wailing, and I become a classic brawler, and I become a submission guy, and I become someone who is a bigger threat than you expected in the beginning. So I like the perception of, hey, here's this goofy, kind of funny, here he's kind of gay, he's queer, whatever, splitting in that back half of the match to – Damn, that got intense. That's an Effie match. That just leads me right into how much, if any, uh, have you been influenced by Adrian Street? A lot. I mean, you watch the way he did things and the confidence that he did things in, um, and especially with the way he worked with Miss Linda and the way, you know, he kind of stepped all over her, but you still kind of felt like she was in charge of things. Um, mm-hmm. Adrian, oh, yeah, that's a great in the right place. That's a great assessment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, and it's, mm-hmm. it's almost the false confidence, too. Not to say that he wasn't really confident, because as everyone will tell you, he's a guy who could go out in the street and shoot with you if you needed to. But the false confidence in a heel character like that, especially when you're trying to get heat, is, is a wonderful thing to watch. And the fans can tell when you're, when you're um, in a position of pump versus a real position of confidence. And it's a lot of fun to play with. I'm curious about the corporate-sponsored sports entertainer aspect of, of FE. How did that come about? What's, what, what's kind of the thought process there? It, it came about out of ultimate frustration because I kept seeing these wrestlers coming up, and they thought they were hot shit, to be honest with you. And they'd say, oh, I'm sponsored by this T-shirt company. And basically what that means for anyone listening who sees someone with a collar and elbow sponsorship or a strong style sponsorship or any of these other t-shirt companies, it means they gave you a t-shirt and they still made you pay for shipping and you have to now post about it. 
So I said, screw it. I said, what would a real wrestler do? He'd get real sponsorships. And my goal in it, I started making videos where I featured these sponsorships, whether they were Clorox or Planned Parenthood or any other company, <laughs> you know. <laughs> where I said, <laughs> I said if, it, if it goes successfully and enough people pay attention, a cease and desist is the best thing for me. So it, it was a way to sort of make fun of these guys who were saying, oh, I'm sponsored by this company. Well, no, you're not. You, you are pimping out their product at a price. If you were sponsored by them, they'd send you a box of free stuff and pay your travel, but you're not. So I wanted to play with that and make it sort of these, – these guys didn't realize how much of an asshole they were making themselves look like by saying they were sponsored by these yeah. companies. And I kind of wanted to point that out and use it for heel heat and say, you're not really sponsored by anybody. And if you're sponsored by this little T-shirt company – well, then Clorox is paying my bill, so back up. <laughs> so so uh, Effie's list of sponsors, Steve, includes Velveeta, Little Debbie, Yoohoo, Planned Parenthood, Sitgo, Partnership for a Drug-Free America, KY Jelly, Armor Potted Meat, America's Natural Gas, Clorox Bleach, and Great Stuff Adhesive. I have a question about the sponsors now. So yeah, most of them, I totally get why it's funny. Why did you specifically pick Sitco? <laughs> um, well, I needed an oil company, and I could find a clear vector of that logo. I think any oil company would have worked there. Because um, mm-hmm. who's, who's worse than somebody coming on TV? And you've seen the commercials where they're like, you know, Sitco cares or Shell Gasoline cares <laughs> or whatever these oil companies are where they're like, we're determined to clean these ducks because they're soaked in oil right now. Uh, and it's horrible, and we'll, we won't let it happen again. And I was like, if I can be the asshole who comes out and goes, you know, Sitgo, that's a clean fuel. That's a clean burning fuel. Effie only uses Sitgo, and if you don't use it, you're nasty. Get you some Sitgo gas if you're going on a trip. <laughs> there's, people there's something would about have that Sitgo reaction. that's like a little bit low rent, too. Just a little yeah, bit lo- more low rent. And I think that it's, it's there. I love a, I, I mean, I do love a guy with um, a sense of, comedic timing and sort of comedic choices that are done well. I think that's one of those things that uh, in wrestling needs, wrestling needs more of. I can't remember the last time wrestling as a whole made me laugh, legitimately laugh, not just like, Oh God, that's terrible. But like genuinely I was excited after watching a segment or whatever and went, that was truly very funny. And I, I like to think I have a sense where I can be completely serious about something to the point where people just aren't sure if I'm messing with them or not. And a lot of the stuff, yeah, you can kind of tell I'm making a joke. I mean, there's certain things I've done where people have sort of hit me up afterwards and been like, what, what's going on here? You know, is this stuff real or not? And with wrestling as exposed as it is, you know, any tiny little moment, whether it's in a match or whether it's, you know, in a promo or in a segment, where you can think even something isn't real or something suspends any kind of disbelief. That's what I'm, that's what I'm scratching for. That's what I want. I saw um, your, um, the, go ahead, Steve. Oh, no, no, Larry, go ahead, please. Well, uh, I saw in your background that you had taken a stab at, at some point at stand-up comedy and performance out art. How do those figure into your pro wrestling? Well, and this is, nobody really brings this up. I, I had been in a few musical acts before, you know, bands, rock bands, whatever. But I had also done sort of an experimental hip-hop project. And I really like self-awareness. And I knew I was just this drunk, kind of weird college kid. 
and we would put on these performances where we were really testing people's limits. I mean, at one, I was wearing a giant American flag as a poncho. It said, um, what did it say on the back? Who was running with Michelle Bachman in 2008 or 2012? Either way, it was in, support, it was in full support of Michelle Bachman. It was in full support of Michelle Bachman. We were playing at a bar, and I had a, an American flag in my hip-hop guitarist guitar, and a guy came up, and he started screaming at the guitarist, and he said, you're desecrating America's flag. And I pulled that flag out, and I ripped it off and stuffed it in my mouth and spit it back at him, and we had to leave the venue immediately. So I've always kind of had a penchant for pushing people's buttons. I think I thought comedy would be more fun than it was, especially stand-up, but once I started doing it, I realized there's a lot of rules, and I would go to these open mics and go to these shows, and I'd see these guys doing the same five-minute sets that they'd done for weeks and weeks and weeks in front of the same people showing up. And I never wanted to repeat material. I never wanted to stick on one thing for too long. You know, maybe my stuff was a little bit too out there, but it, it bored me. And it bored me that there were this many rules in something that was supposed to be sort of freeform and wonderful. Um, but in wrestling, it, it sort of opened up this door of like, yeah, at, at its core, it's wrestling. But also, there's not really many rules to what I can pull off or do or use as promotional material. I'm not really stuck in any four walls. Yeah. Um, what What is your mindset going into this thing with Joey Ryan? Like the usually when like the the outside name quote unquote comes in, it's it's expected that like you're just you're the like the second banana to Joey Ryan. But I I don't get the right. sense from you that that's your gonna gonna be your approach. What's what's your approach gonna be there with Joey Ryan? Is is it gonna be like I'm gonna upstage him or I'm gonna work with him? to create something great. Like what, what's your thinking going into this thing? Honestly, I, I think, and I, and I know Joey knows this because I've called him out on it before. And we've had these discussions. The real problem with Joey is when Joey shows up, especially now with all the stuff he's gotten with his dick and all the press and all the YouTube videos, people go, Oh, I just want, I want to be the one that, that gets flipped by Joey Ryan's dick, or I want to be in the Joey Ryan match to get the little YouTube segment. Um, and I've yeah. called it out before. And it was at the end of my last match at fest with Leva Bates, uh, blue pants, whoever you want to call yeah. her. Um, I sort of cut a promo and I said, listen, I'm really tired of the Fest championship just being something that you fly in the highest bidder, pay them as much money as they expect. And then, you know, they just get a shot at the title for whatever reason. And at that point I was cut off by Joey Ryan in the middle of Japan, trying to cut a promo on me. This match for me is, and everybody sort of come up to me and they go, well, it's going to be a Joey Ryan match. You know, it's a Joey Ryan match. Joey Ryan has the same match. Joey Ryan does this in the match. It's the same comeback in the match. I'm not letting him have that match. And I think mm. a lot of people, like I said previously, would kind of back down and say, oh, well, I'm just honored to be a part of it. But yeah. you're coming into my house. Since day one of Fest Wrestling, you know, I was in a five-minute opening match. But I've been there and been there and been there as it's built and built and gotten the reputation it's gotten. And if you want to come in there and have a Fest main event for the championship, then you're going to come do it my way. Absolutely. Oh, I'm see now. I am intrigued to see the match. I have to. Yeah. I, I I didn't see almost any answer that you would give that would sell me on the match. Just me personally. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sold on the match. <laughs> Larry, what, I what love that. You have? <laughs> hey, so um, tell us about the atmosphere of a, a fest wrestling show. Give us a feel for it. So when I first got in there, 
I had seen their Twitter go up, and I knew about Fest, the, the music festival that happened every year, because I hung out with a lot of punk kids in the part of Florida I'm in, and they always went down, and it was always a good time. And I saw them start this wrestling thing, and I just shot an email over. And, you know, in my shoot life, I, I run a transportation company. I've got a pretty legitimate position. It's whatever. So I approach everything really businesslike in the world of wrestling, and I don't think that always happens especially with a lot of the wrestlers. And I've seen their emails before and they're terrible. He said, said, you just sent over a really professional email. I'll get you a spot on the show. So that's great. So the moment I got in there, I'd been working a lot of shows in Alabama, in, you know, Western Florida, in Georgia. And some of those shows, the atmosphere in there was just killing me. And it was really bad. And there were so much rules and there were too many people in charge or telling you how to have your match or, you know, you're match three, you've got to do these things. We're doing this in the main event. You can't go too much. Don't do TV spots. And it was really hampering my vibe. And I got in there and everybody's drunk and everybody's yelling and every match is ECW rules. So there's really no rules to anything. I'm not even sure why they have a ref other than the count of three, I guess. Um, (laughs) You know, we get in the venue, the, the venue owner says, well, there's not really any rules here. So can we jump off the ceiling? Yeah, whatever. Can we use fire? Yeah, whatever. So wrestlers who come in there have this new creative vision open to them. And the fans who come in there know at this point that you can kind of expect anything. And it's going to be in your face. And people are going to be hammered. And there's going to be stuff everywhere. And you might get messy. So it's sort of this off-the-wall, free-form, crazy version of wrestling through punk rock lens. And it's very refreshing and freeing. And I'm seeing it spill out into a lot of other promotions. And I'm not saying they were the first to do it or, you know, the best to do it, but it's sort of spilling out everywhere where there's a lot more of this kind of punk rock ethic wrestling showing up that's sort of saying, Hey, the old school stuff is fine, but we're going to do something a little different here. And we're going to try it out with a little less, uh, a less of a box and come play with us and see if you like it. Yeah, especially in the South, I think that's a very unique kind of thing. And again, when Larry asked that question, I was just like, what could he possibly say that would make me want to see a wrestling show at this point in my life? <laughs> and I got to say, yeah. like, uh, the, the notion of a punk rock wrestling show is one of the few things that actually has appealed to me. So it's very, very yeah. interesting. And to me, one of the things that was the craziest going in there is as a wrestling fan, you, you know all these names, you know all these people. Oh, he's bringing in Sammy Callahan. He's bringing in, you know, Brian Cage. He's bringing in all these names, Chuck Taylor, you know, independent guys that everybody on the independent team seems to know. But a lot of the fans that come to Fesk aren't even necessarily wrestling fans. They're just punk rock yeah. guys who heard there was wrestling going on. So it creates this even playing field where, yeah, you might have been a huge name in big indie promotions in PWG or in Japan, but here you're just match four. So figure it out because they don't know who you are and you can't rest on your laurels. They don't care if you were flown in for $500 or if you're a local guy who's making 50 or 75 or whatever it is. They just want to see good wrestling. So your name doesn't really count. It's it's all about the performance there. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Larry, do you have a last question? I got a couple more. So other than yeah. Fest, where do you um... – what are the promotions appeal to you where you have been? And I guess the, the, the part B of the question is where do you want to go that you haven't been yet? This is a really interesting question because I have probably some strong thoughts on it. Um, I will say right now, I'm really excited about working PWX more and they're based out of Charlotte most of the time. 
Um, I'm going to be moving up, doing some more Atlanta shows, possibly with AWE in June. Um, I've been oh, working yeah. a lot more in South Florida. Uh, so that's all great. But there's sort of this mentality in wrestling right now that's really problematic. And guys are doing road trips or, or driving 18 hours one way or 12 hours one way. So they can say, oh, well, yeah, I worked last year. I worked Illinois and Texas and Arizona and yeah. Virginia and Connecticut. And there are people, and I see the matches and I see the shows, and people forget that internet hype and actual wrestling fans are sometimes very different things. There's a huge disparity between what gets internet hype and what actually draws a real live crowd into a place. And these guys think that since they showed up and worked for gas money and did 18-hour drives, that they're somehow better than someone who is in a smaller town or is only going a few places, and they're not. And when you make a 12-hour drive somewhere and you still don't get over, and when you're walking out of the building and nobody remembers what your name was and you sold one T-shirt and nobody else knows who you are other than you, what was that 12-hour drive worth? When you can't even get over in your home promotion in your hometown, is it worth making a 12-hour drive? And the, the toxicness of this has led to even promotions doing, you know, these tryout shows where in the past that would have been a thing for local talent. Hey, you know, we've got some local guys. They want to see if they can make it onto the roster. We'll give them a shot. You know, we'll do a pre-show. But now you have people driving in 12, 15 hours to do a tryout show and not get paid, and then they're being publicly put over on Twitter about it. Hey, here's the tryout matches that we're going to have. So now you've publicly admitted that you work for free and you're willing to drive 10 hours for free. It's crazy to me that, that in their minds, this is building their careers. To me, it's about going into a place and saying, okay, there's 150 people here this month. Can we get 200 here next month? Can we get 300 here the month after that? How do we build this up? How do you get yourself over in a promotion rather than thinking the promotion is going to get you over? Cause it won't. Yeah, could not agree more. Was that was that a little too long-winded for what that question was? No. No, I, I don't think so at all. So get with that said, where do you want to go that you haven't been yet that's not going to be driving all over Hell's Half Acre for no money? <laughs> nice, Larry. <laughs> where do I want to go? I want to go where I am wanted. Um, that's sort of a, a broad answer to it, but – you know, as I see, you know, sort of my character growing and myself growing, there's a lot more people asking me to come do shows and do things. And I'm very selective now. And that sounds like such a diva thing. And it probably is a diva thing. But I want to make sure that I'm going to be able to be myself. I'm not going to have to, you know, do a half-assed version of what I want to do. And I think, you know, the product right now that is Effie is decent and it's getting better. Um, but the eyes on it, it's going to take a little more than, than what we have now. So I want to work towards getting the flights out. I want to work towards being someone that you want to bring in. I want to work towards, you know, sort of, sort of becoming an underground sensation, you know? And I think if we keep doing the path we're on and keep your head down and go forward, yeah, I'll be able to take a, take a gig in New York and not lose money doing it or take a gig in Chicago and not lose money doing it. As long as I can come home with cash in pocket, that's where I want to be at. Very, very solid and objective standards that can be attained and measured, which I think in the wrestling business in particular, entertainment in general, but wrestling in particular, seems afraid of standards 
that you can be judged a success or a failure on. You know, everything mm-hmm. is like, even if you're on a bad show, the response is, yeah, but, I, but it was fun. I, like there's yeah. always sort yeah. of like a, a subjective way to wriggle out. But for you to say, I, I need to have money in my pocket and go do this. If I do a show in Chicago or New York, and have money in my pocket, then I know uh, objectively that I've achieved a success on a certain level, at least that can be measured. I think it's, uh, I think it's brave. And I think it's something that needs to happen more, even promoters. I mean, when's the last time there has been a promoter that says our goal is to get from X amount of fans to X amount of fans plus 50, Um, you, you know, that's, everybody's afraid to sort of put it out there because again, nobody wants to look like they're a failure, but what ends up happening is, is, and it's one of the things that I think hurts wrestling is it's in a constant spin mode. I think anybody who watches WWE, there, there came a point a couple of years ago where my God, how many times did you have to see? We have more Twitter followers than blah, 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 blah combined in their yeah. eyes. That's this great strength. But I think for wrestling people, you would look at that and just go like, oh, God, it's just more hyperbole, more bullshit. You know, like we, we, know, it's, we know it's good when we see it. You can't tell us it's good. You know, we have to believe that yeah. it's good. Well, so, and there's yeah, also, I think it's great. I, I use this word a lot. There's a circle jerk to wrestling right now, too, where there's almost in a lot of promotions and in a lot of situations – no real way for a casual fan to directly get involved and feel at home or in a cool place. To me, live wrestling is the coolest form of entertainment. Obviously, I am biased. I know you guys go to a lot of wrestling shows, so you're biased. But how do you get the person who is just going to sit at home and watch TV to say, hey, let's go look at the wrestling show? How do you get those people who aren't diehard fans, who haven't been watching since they were kids, out to see the show? Because I think they would enjoy it more if they got past the stigma that they've built. And we've got to work to kind of pull that stigma away so that normal people, casual people, will feel comfortable paying their money and spending their time at a wrestling show. Because there's a huge market out there of people who I think would love wrestling that we constantly ignore in the wrestling world because we're sort of stuck in our own little space. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I was running PCW, and Larry, you can sort of attest to this, one of my goals was I had no interest in having a crowd full of the angry virgins. I had zero mm-hmm. interest in that. And, I, I, and I, to, to me, the wrestling business is not unlike the bar or nightclub business in that if you've got, if you've got 80% men, you failed. That my goal was I want women at the show. I want black people watching the show. I want – theater geeks watching the show that have never been to pro wrestling in their lives. Um, Mm -hmm. And to me, I mean, we managed to pull that off in an atmosphere that was sort of like totally against it. But I I mean, that was really satisfying when you could have like theater people, or I'd see these old, like obviously old professionals in their sixties who are not wrestling people sitting there watching the show and just going, what the hell is this? And, you know, I, yeah, I do something crazy in the show. That's a great feeling. And again, it's, and I understand that wrestling has kind of given up on that notion um, on the national level. Ring of honor knows that they are, they're going to get who they're going to get and that's all they're going to get. And even the WWE has sort of resigned themselves into, 
all right, maybe we can get a few girls to watch, but for the most part, it's, you know, we've kind of boiled it down to the essence of who's going to watch. Um, and I, I don't know why an independent promotion would resign themselves to that because it's wide open for them. They can do anything they want. That's what's beautiful about wrestling. You can reinvent exactly. it any way you want. And uh, I hope that more people sort of approach it as an artistic medium, as faggy as that sounds. Um, that's what wrestling needs is this notion of it's, 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 you know, it's not a big business at our level. So that there's a freedom associated with that. You know, if you're, if we're basically graffiti artists, Right, we're kind of glorified yeah. graffiti artists. Well, then go find the biggest freaking subway to spray paint. Like, why are you why are you worried about spray painting your room again and again and again when you can do anything anywhere and take a chance? You know, it's awesome. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you going to be? Yeah, let's uh, make sure we get that in. Where are pl- some places that you're going to be in the near future? So this weekend I'll be at Fest Wrestling in Gainesville, and that is against Joey Ryan for the Fest Wrestling Championship. Um, the weekend after that I will be up at PWX. I am facing the man scout, Jake Manning. I think we for some reason have bad blood. I'm sure he's going to explain to me why. Um, at the end of the month, uh, I think May on a Friday, I'll be at FIP. You can actually stream that one online if you have the like WWN package. Um, FIP mm-hmm. is like if Evolve was still fun. I go to the shows here in Florida. That is true as shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then beginning of June, I'll be down in South Florida. I cannot announce the match yet, but I can tell you it will be uh, hardcore. Very hardcore. I think people will be pumped when they figure this one out. And then actually on June 10th, I am flying up to Rhode Island because as a part of the Providence Queer Fest, we're throwing a big gay wrestling show. So Tremendous. a lot of us are going to be up there right in the middle of downtown having a big gay wrestling time. Um, hopefully I'll get to sell some t-shirts to some big hairy bears. <laughs> oh, a big gay wrestling show is about as redundant a thing as I've heard lately. <laughs> I know, but you'd, you'd be surprised how many of them still think it's not. I'm putting, I'm putting on my spandex panties. Let's call our dance moves and go out there. I promise Hurricane Runner. <laughs> Tremendous. Um, well, any, We're any there last for my comeback. <laughs> um, any last things that you want to say? Um, you know, follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Kill Effie because a lot of people are trying to. <laughs> and then I think on Facebook I'm just Effie, but it's fun. I'm a little I'm a little more loose on uh, Twitter than I am probably anywhere else. And sometimes it's a shoot, brother. But I think my my tweet this morning, the tweet this morning that I liked so much was, "Ugh, nobody in wrestling is going to take me seriously until I get a spooky entrance mask." <laughs> Seems to be the trend nice. right now. I'm trying to keep up. Mm. Yes. Yes, you gotta stay cutting edge. <laughs> uh, well, man, hey, you, thanks a lot. Hey, thank you guys. I appreciate you having me on. Let me talk a little crap and get get the word out. Yeah, oh yeah, I can't. I, I'm, 
I'm going to go out of my way to watch that match with you and Joey Ryan somehow, some way. So I'm looking forward they'll, to it. They'll put it up on YouTube soon enough, I promise. They, they haven't figured out the live streaming thing yet, but they usually put those matches up on YouTube pretty quick. Right on. Well, cool, man. Well, take care and best of luck with everything and hope to see you down the Thank road. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you guys so much. Sure. All awesome. right. Well, Larry, you know, I got to say, you've, you've had a string of hits. Um, the guests that you've gotten lately, even the ones that I was like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say I was looking forward to tonight. <laughs> um, but I got I to gotta admit, uh, he was definitely worth talking to and uh, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, had some had some strong opinions about wrestling, which is wonderful to hear. Not from a bitchy fanboy perspective, but from a guy who's wrestling who, you know, likes what he likes and, you know, mocks what he doesn't and uh, kind of goes out there and, and shows it all. I like it. I like, I like I, that. And, so. and what he said about professionalism, you know, um, there have been times in trying to set up interviews for this show that I have found some individuals not to be the most professional. Um, but this guy was was spot on and it made it real easy to do. Once I talked to him about it and set it up, he was like, when it came time, he's ready to go. No questions asked. Boom. So easy. So professional. It was great. Oh, sorry. I didn't hear you, Larry. I was on the Stairmaster. What would you say? That's okay. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Hey, let's. Good time. Good time. Our tribe draws short here, and I'd like to make sure we get – our gentleman from GPW on the phone, promoter Daryl Grissom, is joining us now to bring us up to date on what's been going on there. Welcome to the Tipping Point, Daryl. Good evening, Larry and Steve. Thanks for having me on. Steve, I'm a little sure. bit upset, though, because uh, you took away my Stairmaster joke I was about to have after listening to you. <laughs> oh, no, I took away your Stairmaster. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was going to ask you if I could do this interview on my Stairmaster, but you beat me to oh. I'm a little mad about that. Larry, we have to get that audio. Uh, one day we have to do the reverse of a greatest hits, and that definitely is going on there. It's oh my god, that was on the stairmaster. It's fucking terrible. Your, your audio quality so Daryl, is perfect. It's perfect. We can hear you distinctly. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I've heard venue, that you. So, oh god, <laughs> it was horrible. I, I, I'm still I'm still in therapy that over that interview. <laughs> so, so a venue, Daryl. What what is this about? You have a new venue. Please tell everybody that is, that is exciting news. Yes, we've uh, we actually have moved to a different venue because we just actually just <laughs> this sounds crazy, but we've ran out of room at the old one. Uh, the old venue would hold 500 people, but the parking was the problem, and, and uh, our shows that we're having, you know, it's just. Well, just put it honest, we went from 34 people at our first show, and now here we are coming up on three years, and we're having shows that, just regular shows, that's doing 250 and 300, and we just don't have the parking lot for it. And so, uh, actually, one of our fans, Gary Lamb, had a has a, a place over at, it's about three miles from us, and uh, he has, it's called Action Church in there, it's an old supermarket. And he had mm-hmm. plenty of room, and so he said, why don't you guys come over here? Or actually, I went and asked him. He had talked about us doing a wrestling show there, and we went and talked to him about it. He's like, yes, come. We're like, 
okay, this place holds 300 cars, paved drives, uh, or lighted parking lot, air-conditioned building. None of this we had. We're coming. So I actually just went and picked the key up for it today. And churches, I, I, it sounds like I'm about to set up for a joke. It's the opposite. I found doing um, – we did Sacred Ground 2 in a church in McDonough, Georgia. It was one of these things where we had to. It was sort of a last-minute scramble. But, my God, I mean, who's set up for a rest- – I mean, this sounds blasphemous to say, but who's set up better for a wrestling show than a church? I mean, they got, the, like, the audio <laughs> – down they have like everything sort of acoustically inclined you know they have like you said they have the parking their goal is what it should be for a wrestling show which is to create a comparience so that people are open to taking in what they're about to take in i think a lot of wrestling promoters um don't keep that in mind it's just about well we just need a venue and we need blah 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 but like you said you guys are growing and I mean, parking is a big deal. I mean, I always thought that that kind of hurt AWE in certain in their early days because yeah. who the hell wants to park their car in the fifth ward? Nobody, right? I mean, like that's a serious consideration. So I, I'm I'm happy for you guys. I think that's going to work out really nicely for you and the boys. I think it'll reflect in their performances as well. Being in a oh, new place is. that's so great. Yeah, it's great. And in this place, I, I don't know if you remember when Chris Jericho Fozzie came to Georgia and, and performed. This is the place that he performed at. It's set up for concerts. They do concerts there. It's a multi, it's it's really a multi-use venue. I mean, yeah, they have a church there that that meets over to where it's at. But I mean, Fozzie was there. They've been they've had several concerts there. They have the lighting, they have the sound, everything. I mean, and and we have access to it all. We have two large 10 by 20 screens that we're going to be able to put promos up. I mean, it's just like, you know, people would dream to have this place, and it's it's fell in our lap, and we're just it it just it runs chills up you when you think about what all you can do as 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 a wrestling company to really draw the fans in where they can see a show. That's a lot like what WWE is going to be, you know, Ring of Honor, all those guys. You know, it's it's just awesome. Uh, Daryl, I see you've got uh, Billy Gunn coming in for this first show at the new venue. Um, right. Can you spill the beans about? And you guys have brought in all kinds of interesting folks into GPW. Can you spill the beans about anybody else that might we might be seeing later in the year? Uh, yeah. Well, we've got, like I say, we've got Billy Gunn and. Uh, I don't mark out over anybody. I'm just I, I love wrestling. I love you know bringing these guys in to because the fans you know that's that we we do what they want. But the next Friday, this is the guy that I watched as a as a child that I will mark out over is Mr. Wrestling Number Two. He's coming on the 18th. Uh, I actually seen him advertising yes. somewhere. Yeah, I seen him. He he was coming to Georgia, and I started just calling around, said, "Hey, how can I get Mr. Wrestling Number Two in?" I mean. I'm 54 years old, so when I started watching wrestling when I was six and seven years old, you know, he was on the top of his game, and it was just unreal. So I've got him coming in. Uh, we've also we've got coming in uh, Gangrel, uh, just several different guys. Gangrel coming in for our Halloween show. I've got a couple of things that I can't announce yet that's coming up. Uh, 
the good thing that we I, I established, I'm good friends with Tony Hunter, which is a, an agent mm-hmm. for a lot of guys, and he and I are just really good friends. And, uh, you know, he'll tell me about some guys coming into Georgia to do other stuff, and he'll say, hey, do you want them? And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, because, he, he, you know, we get some good deals when they're coming that way. So between him and Bill Barron's has helped us a lot out, and, you know, we just continually have different guys coming in. We are, uh, you know, of course, the local guys that was big in Georgia's coming, like Randy Rose, he's coming with wrestler, Mr. Wrestling number two also. But as long as the fans want it and they're turning out, you know, with me, with wrestling is a little different from a lot of these guys. It's a, we're going to do wrestling our way and this is the way it is. I try to listen to the fans and, you know, I love, I love the show. I love the performance. And when you can watch these shows go off and these fans, you know, I watch the fans as much as I watch the wrestling. And, and I see, you know, you see that they're having a good time. They're not looking at their phones, and and, the, and it keeps growing, yeah. and you're doing something right. Absolutely. Gerald, well, what do you guys um, got coming up? What are, the, what are the exact dates that things are happening soon? Uh, well, actually, this Friday, we're going to be back in Cleveland, Georgia. Uh, Billy Gunn's going to be up there. Uh, that's at the Armory. And then most all of our other shows, we, we'll, we do some shows, uh, you know, we help out. We do a lot of fundraising shows to help out people plus schools. But mostly everything else is coming up in Canton on May the 12th when Billy Gunn and Marty Gennetti will be there also. Well, no, he's actually going to be up in Cleveland, Tennessee. I'm sorry. I've got so many dates coming up and places. Yeah. And then, like I say, the 18th, we're going to be in uh, Canton, Georgia. Uh, you know, most everything right now is going to be in Canton uh, unless we get some people that, you know, want us to come do school shows and stuff like that. We, we, we do a lot of that to help out also. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, and we used to do a lot more traveling, but I'm telling you, I'm getting older and, and it, it gets, it gets tiring going all these places. We used to t- say we were the Kings of five fifteen because we did shows all up and down, but now those guys will all come to Canton. You know, they'll, they'll drive an hour and a half to come down to Canton, and, and so we don't have to do that. So, yeah, uh, it works out really good. So, Great. But it, it's 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 been a ride. I've only been doing this for about three and a half years. I, I, I never even went to an indie show until I met Woody, went to his show, and he's learned me a lot. He has people that didn't understand the knowledge he has, and – Sitting yeah. next to him every night, it's just it's you, you learn a lot. These guys need to get with these older guys and just listen to them and hear what they say, and they'll learn a lot like that for sure. I know I have. I could not I could not agree more. And I think I, I mean to be more specific, it's not any older guy, but it is guys like Wood I and mean, people like Bill Barons. I, I think there's yeah. there's this sort of treasure trove of guys that have experience and it's not hard to know who's got the goods and who doesn't. Um, all you have to do is to who are the boys that you respect and who do they respect in turn. And Woody's one of those guys that, I mean, the guys particularly in the Chattanooga area just worship him. And there's a reason for that. And uh, yeah, I think, I think Woody's a great guy for you to sort of mentor under and, and help out. I think it's a, it's a great relationship there and it shows yeah. uh, with the success that you're having right now. Well, well, that I sit there night after night, listen to him, and, and a match going, and he'll he'll make a comment. And I'm like, wow, that that makes sense. I mean, he doesn't just sit there and break a match down to me or anything like that. It's just 
sitting there and, and he's watching it and he'll say this or say that and, and, it, and it just clicks in. I mean, that's all my life. That's all I've done was that's how I don't have a college education or anything like that and have a successful business. And I, because I listened to people that had knowledge and, and watched and learned and these young guys would do that with these guys that has done it, that's been in it for years that they're in it. They've been in it for years and keep going for a reason, you know? And so these guys would just take note to that and listen to these guys. And after they have a match, go ask that person because if somebody really loves what they're doing and loves wrestling and wants it to grow, they'll tell you what you're doing right or what you need to work on. And these guys really can learn a lot from these older guys for sure. Absolutely. And a lot of promotions can learn from you. I think, um, you know, it's just a great thing. Uh, congratulations on the new venue. Um, looking forward to seeing what happens there and um, and hoping for your continued success. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Daryl. Thank you guys for having us on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Larry, another one in the books, another good one in the books. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to – I really am curious um, if we can get Ronnie Gossett on. I mean, there's just so much to talk about, definitely. And uh, I think from we'll, what you've told, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we can and make from it what happen. you've told me, we have a number of uh, interesting guests uh, on the uh, you know coming up. So well, um, I'm, I'm I, hoping you know. Speaking of legends, I'm hoping that we can get. Uh, we've never had him on before, and it's all long overdue to have Robert Gibson on the show. Oh, yeah. I think especially when, you know, if the awards are going to add that sort of trainer of the year category. um, I mean, we're in sort of we're in sort of a renaissance of great training going on. And he's definitely, um, you know, the big name that's doing it right now um, in the Georgia area. And so it would be wonderful to talk to him. Uh, and about what, you know, obviously, you know, he's part of one of the biggest tag teams of all time, one of the greatest babyface tag teams of all time, certainly. And just, uh, yeah, oh, real quick, Larry, before we go. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been getting steady feedback on each one of the shows. And, um, boy, the response to the Priscilla Kelly interview, I think Priscilla Kelly really did herself a service where um, a couple of people – you know, mentioned that they really didn't have that high of an opinion of her and she turned them around. So that's Mm -hmm. really a testament to her. And, um, you know, she's becoming sort of an articulate, uh, intelligent young woman. And I think that came across very definitively and probably surprised a lot of people. Yeah. And another person at a very young age who's becoming a real professional. It's really great to see. Yes, the uh, state benefits from it, wrestling benefits from it, and it's wonderful. But um, anyway, Larry, where are you going to be this weekend? Uh, probably Anarchy, maybe Georgia Premier. Haven't just 100% decided, but one of the two. Awesome. You're not going to run back to that buffet in Rome, huh? Nah, no, but if ever in Rome, definitely the the place to, sh- to check out. Yeah, you know, you know, business is about to pick up here in Georgia as far as uh, shows go with all the stuff that's going to be happening in June. So um, get ready. Absolutely. For Larry Goodman, I'm Stephen Platinum. We'll see you next week on, or we'll see you next time on the Tipping Point. 
thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.